we're looking forward to this week with our students. I appreciate the time and investment that we make in our and that you make in our students, getting them here. I mean that first of all that it has to be a priority in your home or that it doesn't happen. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for an evangelist that'll come all the way to how many miles this week? Twenty seven hundred, is that what you told me? Twenty seven hundred miles this week. He they, they were in Grand Junction, Colorado the first part of the week and drove straight through to here just so that they can minister to our students. I love Jonathan and Brittany Thacker. I love them because they're great friends, but I love them because they believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I say it again, I love them because they're here because they believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what the world's got to have. So, if you would, welcome to Mauriceville Assembly of God, Jonathan Thacker. Come and preach, preacher. Galatians 6 and 9 says, Let us not grow weary. And doing good. For in due season. Somebody say due season. For in due season we shall reap. If. We do not give up. If we'll refuse. To allow the situation to dictate our attitudes. And our faith. If we'll keep pushing, if we'll keep digging, if we'll refuse to give up, every person in this building will receive what God has for them. But oftentimes, we give up too soon. Come on, somebody. It's like the man that, that during the gold rush went out and bought a gold mine like many did in that day, and he went out and he got his shovel and he got all of his stuff and he went out to the mine and he began to dig. And to his surprise, he didn't dig very far till he actually struck gold. And with an excitement, he knew that he had to have more than just a shovel to dig with. So he went home and he sold all that he had told everybody that he could, and he even took on some investors, and he got all the money that he could, and he bought the drilling equipment, he bought the shovels, the picks, the laborers, he bought everything that he could, and he went back out to that mine, and he began to dig again. And he dug day after day, week after week, month after month, but the only problem is, he never found gold again. And he got discouraged, and he got tired, and he got weary, and he got, got just so discouraged to the point that he actually sold his mind, his equipment, everything that he had. He sold it to a junk man for pennies on the dollar. 
The young man getting the mind, knowing that he didn't have much to lose, he just decided that he would go out and he would try his hand at digging. And in less than three feet of digging, gold was struck. In less than three feet of digging, the junk man discovered one of the largest gold mines that had ever been discovered. Darby was three feet away from gold. He was three feet away from something that would change his life forever. But he gave up too soon. And I cannot help but wonder tonight, sir or ma'am, I wonder how many of you in this building, you are three feet away from your blessing. You are three feet away from your miracle, three feet away from whatever it is that God has promised you if you refuse to give up. If is the biggest word in your Bible. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not give up. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do tonight, I want you to turn with me over to the book of 2 Kings, the third chapter. 2 Kings chapter 3. And I just want to echo the words of, of Pastor J.R. and his wife, Heather. We love you both so very much. Honored every time that we have the privilege to be in this pulpit. And, and those of you that are here, we, I, I want you to know, some of you may know us from last time. There's a lot of new faces, but we love this church. And we are honored to be a part of this church, part of what God is doing here. And it would not be happening without the leadership of this family, Pastor Jr. and Sister Heather. And if you love them, will you show some appreciation just for a moment? I, he's, he's not allowed to brag on himself, but I can. We love you, honor you. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here with you. Second Kings, the third chapter. Now, we, we arrive on a scene where God's people are weary. God's people have become discouraged to the place that they are ready to quit. The army is, is crossing the desert and they're on a journey to fight in a war, but the only problem is, is that they have ran out of water. And they feel like that they're not going to make it. Second Kings chapter 3. Let's jump down and, and begin down in the ninth verse, if you'll allow me. Second Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, says, So the king of Israel went out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout seven days, and there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas! For the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. 
And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before him who I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand also. You shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and, every, uh, and, and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now what happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. We're going to stop right there tonight. Now, if you'll allow me, I really want to focus in on verse 16 tonight where the prophet Elisha said this, make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. I, I've come to tell somebody tonight that if you've come here tired, if you've come here thirsty, if you've come here discouraged, and maybe you're a, a place in your spiritual life that you are ready to throw in the towel because you need something real from God. I've come to tell somebody tonight, friend, all you've got to do is pick up your shovel and start digging. If you have your Bibles and if you'll begin to pray with me, I want to preach for the next few moments simply on the theme, pick up your shovel and dig. Will you pray over this service with me, friends? Lord, we love you tonight. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, for everything that you've done in these services this week. We're thankful, Lord, for lives that have been changed. Thankful, Lord, for those that have received the Holy Spirit. But, Father, I know tonight that you are not finished yet. And I ask, God, Lord, for a great measure of faith. Lord, that you would send the Holy Spirit tonight, Lord, to check us, to speak to us. Lord, to encourage us, Lord. Lord, to keep on moving forward, to never be a person that throws in the towel. But, Father, that we would all always have the attitude that regardless of the situation that we can stand and wait on your word because you will show up on time. Lord, I ask that you would crown this service, Lord, with your presence today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, and everyone in agreement shouted amen and amen. Now in this moment, God's people are tired, they are frustrated, and they are, they're ready to quit. Three kings have joined together, three armies, Judah, Israel, and Edom, and they've all joined together with one purpose, and that is to go and wage war against the enemy, the Moabites. Now, the quickest, most direct route would have been uh, not that long of a, a, a direction or path to take, if you will, but these armies, what they wanted to do was they wanted to take the enemy by surprise, so they decided to go the long way around through the desert. It would require them somewhere of more than 100 miles of harsh terrain just to get to the Moabites. Three armies, three kings with one plan, and that is to take the Moabites by surprise and win the war. 
And at this point in time, they are already seven days deep into the desert. They are tired, they are thirsty, and when they finally get to the oasis, when they finally get to the place where water should be, they found none. Now we understand that this is a problem. You cannot live without water. We, 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 can, we can live without food for months, but not without water. Experts will tell you, believe it or not, most every person in this room without water, we would all die in as little as three days. Water is essential for us to stay alive. And God's people are in a place where the water has run out. They are seven days in. That, is, that means that they have come too far to go back. They are seven days in and, and they know they cannot go back and at the same time they're afraid to go forward because if there was no water in this place, what in the world would make them think that they would find water at the next place, if you will? You see, they're in a place that they are in trouble. And the king begins to blame God. God, why did you bring me here? God, how could you allow this in my life? God, we are all going to die, and it is your fault. Isn't it interesting that when we find ourselves in a different, difficult situation, have you ever noticed how oftentimes that, that we like to blame God? Come on, somebody. Martha and Mary at the tomb of a loved one. Lazarus is dead. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. The very beginning in the garden, in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve in the garden, right after the fall, Adam looks at God, speaking to God. Adam says, Lord, it was the woman that you gave me that gave me the fruit, and that's why, come on, y'all, I ate it. We like to blame God. It's easy to blame God for our problems. You know why we like to blame God or blame, put the blame on somebody else? Because it's easier to blame our situation on somebody else than it is to take responsibility for it ourselves. The king said, God has called us here. In other words, we're all going to die, and it's God's fault. But it wasn't God's fault. It was his fault. God did not tell him to walk across the desert. God did not tell him to go and wage war against Moabites. It was his fault. It was the king's navigational failure. It was his error, if you will. It's not God's fault. Friend, to every broken home, to every broken family, to every broken situation, and every abusive situation that you may have ever been in in your life, it is not 
God's fault. If you are in a dark place right now tonight and you are fighting, you are struggling, I want you to know that God did not lead you to that place. It was somebody's sin. It was somebody's navigational error that brought you to that position. But friend, even though that somehow, some way, sin may have brought you there, I want to tell you tonight that grace can lead you out. I don't know what they said. I don't know what somebody did to you. I don't know the situation, what the situation may be that messed you up in your life. All I know is that regardless of what may have happened, all I know is God said my grace is sufficient for you. All I know is he said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. He is the God of all grace. It's the grace of God that turns that broken situation around. Somehow, some way, sin may have brought you there. But it's grace that can bring you out. It's his grace that gives us a remnant of escape. It's the grace of God that can give us revival even in the middle of our bondage. And if you're in a place of trouble tonight, friend, it is not God's fault. The king had the wrong attitude. Because he was blaming all of his problems on God. And his negative attitude was having a negative impact on every person that was in his circle. Sometimes the biggest problems that we have is because of who we've allowed to influence us in our circles. It's wrong associations. If you hang out with worldly people, friend, you are going to get worldly advice. But if you surround yourself with godly people, you are going to get godly advice. Who you run with matters. My, my mama used to tell me as a kid growing up, she used to say, Jonathan, the birds of a feather flock together. The birds of a feather flock together. In other words, the people that you hang around with are usually the kind of people that you're most alike. Do you, do you remember when you, uh, when you were in high school? Some of y'all, I know like Pastor J.R., you got to go way back to remember when you were in high school. Come on, somebody. Is he smiling or is he staring me down? But seriously, do you, do you remember when you were in high school and, and there were all these cliques? And the populars hung out with the populars. And the normals hung out with the normals. Come on. And the nerds hung out with the nerds. And the jocks hung out with the jocks. And the potheads hung out with the potheads. And the, come on, y'all. You can usually tell who somebody is by the type of people that they're surrounding themselves with. Why? Because the birds of a feather flock together. And sometimes what you've got to do is you've got to refine your circle. Some of us, the reason that we are stuck in the very same place, battling the same mess that we were fighting a year ago, is because we are still surrounded with the same people in our lives. You have got to get rid of ungodly influences that are continually pulling your life in the wrong direction. Some of you, some, listen, somebody in this, you, you need a delivery service. 
You've been praying, God, deliver me. But friend, what you need to do is deliver yourself with some of the people that you've been hanging out with. You've got to deliver yourself with people that have no passion. You've got to deliver yourself with people that have no vision for the things of God. You've got to deliver yourself from people that have nothing of a kingdom mindset. Because if you surround yourself with those type of types of people, friend, they will wreck your life. They will wreck your vision. They will wreck your passion. And in the end, they will wreck your faith. The king of Israel was pulling God's people in the wrong direction. King said, the first king, King Jehoram, he said that God has called us here. They're out in the middle of the desert. They are dying of thirst. They are, they are literally wondering if this is their last day before they lay down and die. They are dead. They are thirsty. They are, they are struggling. And the king says, God has called us here. In other words, it's God's fault. And right in the situation, he had the wrong attitude. But the second king, King Jehoshaphat, in the same situation, in the same desert, in the same place where the water had literally ran out, he had the right attitude. Because the second king, King Jehoshaphat, he said, is there no prophet of the Lord that, may, that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Three kings in a circle. Three armies, but only one of them had enough sense to try to go and find out what it was that God had to say about the situation. Friend, you may be the only one in your family that wants to know what God has to say about it. You may be the only one in your circle that opens up your Bible and begins to feast on the Word of God. You may be the only one that gets up in the wee hours of the night or early in the morning and begin to pray to a God that hears and God. You may be the only one in your service or in your circle but friend I come to tell somebody tonight that God only needs one Jehoshaphat. God only needs one person that'll Stand up and find out what God wants to say. God can use one to deliver an army, a multitude of people. God only needs one. And the prophet comes and he begins to reluctantly give them a word. Elisha says, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Now you have to remember that these are tired and thirsty, worn out, nearly dead men. But he says, make this valley full of ditches. The kings come down from the meeting place. This had to have been hard to hear. Have you ever dug on dry ground? Do you know how hard it is to dig? Out in the middle of a dry place, but the king said, make this valley full of ditches. They were tired. They were weary. We know that they did not feel like digging. But God said, dig. Why? We know God can do it without us. But for some reason, God wants to work 
through us. Friend, God did not ask them to do something that they could not do. But he asked them to do something that they really could do. It may have been hard, it may have been frustrating, but they really could pick up a shovel and start digging. God will never ask you to do something that's impossible. God wants to prepare us for a miracle when God wants to prepare us for, the, for, for whatever the situation, the blessing, the miracle, when God wants to do something in our lives, He will always give us a work that we really can do. You can't create water, but you can dig. You can't heal people, but you can pray. You cannot conjure up faith, but you can read your Bible because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If we truly expect to receive the miracle, then we have got to be a people that begin to prepare for the impossible. Let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season. We shall reap if we don't give up. The prophet said, I want you to make this valley full of ditches. Kings come down from their high place. These people are literally, they are about to die. They're weary. They are tired. They are discouraged. They're wondering if they can make it another day. But the king comes in with a message. He's heard from God. And he says, I want you to make this valley full of ditches they're tired they're worn out they don't feel like digging but god said i want you to dig when you feel it i want you to dig when you don't feel it i want you to dig when it looks like it's over i want you to dig when the doctor calls and it's not good news. When the doctor calls and he gives a bad report and you're saying, God, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've struggled. God, what am I going to do in this broken situation? God says, when the spouse walks out the door and you've been praying that God would turn it around and here you are in a broken place, in a broken situation and you feel like it's too late, you feel like pulling the trigger, but God said, dig. Dig when you feel it. Dig when you don't. Dig when you're weary. Dig, dig when you're discouraged. If we'll just be a people that keep on digging, if we will be a people that remember what God had said, if we'll be a people that remember, I'm going to reap my, my marriage. I'm going to reap the benefit. I'm going to reap the reward. I'm going to reap the blessing. I'm going to reap the miracle. If I don't give up. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. You may be worn out. 
You may be dry. You may have been praying for a miracle. I don't know how many years that you've been struggling. But friend, I want you to know that he's a good God that wants to give good gifts to his children. And if you'll just stand on what God said in spite of the situation, in spite of what you may be feeling like, if you'll just keep on digging right in the middle in that dry place, you will receive the miracle that God has promised you. If you want the water, if you want the blessing, I know God can do it without us, but he's chosen to do it through us. And if you want to get what God has called you to, we have got to be a people that dig. Then God said, you shall see no wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley will be filled with water, so much so that your cattle and your livestock and your animals may drink. God said, you shall see no wind, nor shall you see rain. Well, what in the world does that mean? I'm glad that you asked. Have you ever been in a... Maybe, maybe you're outside and working in your garden or doing something and it's hot and it's dry and, and suddenly you see those clouds begin to roll in. Or suddenly you feel that cool breeze. We, we, can, usually care, we can usually recognize when a storm is coming. We can, we can as a matter of fact, oftentimes we, we can smell rain when it's on the way. But God told him, he said, you shall see no clouds, you will see no wind, and you will see no, in other words, there will be no sign. God is saying that you are not going to be able to anticipate the miracle. There will be no sign, but water is on the way. And I come to tell somebody tonight, right in the middle of your dead place, right in the middle of that place that you are fighting and you are strong, I come to tell somebody that you are not going to be able to anticipate what God's about to do. But when God shows up, you're never going to forget what God's done right in the middle of that desert ground. So they started digging. And I don't know if somebody said that surely somehow there, that there must be water and down in the ground somewhere. I, I, I don't know if they, they, they dug until they hot, hit water beneath them. I don't know if they just started digging until God reached down and, and did something supernaturally. I, I, I don't know exactly how it happened. All I know is that it didn't come down. It came up. There is something on the inside of every believer in this room, when you got saved, you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And in every believer, listen, we, if you are saved and you have the Holy Ghost, we're not looking for the Holy Ghost to come down, but God's looking to, to have that which he put in us to begin to flow up out of us. It's not going to come down, but if you allow the Holy Ghost, friend, he's going to spring up out of you. I I heard Jesus tell the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give it him, uh, give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I heard Jesus say, believe on me. 
Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his heart, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. If you need a miracle, if you need a breakthrough, I come to encourage you tonight. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you listen to the devil. Don't you get discouraged to the point that you say I'm done and walk out the door. But in the middle of the dead place, why don't you just trust God and pick up your shovel and start digging? I don't feel like it. I'm worn out. But I know if I I stand on his word I'm going to make the valley full of ditches and I can't see it I can't feel it but I know that the water will be right on time pastor can I have you come I'm, I'm trying to close that's what faith is come on that's what faith is Faith is an attitude right in that situation. Faith is an attitude that says, you know what? I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I'm standing. I'm walking on the word that God has spoken to me. Faith is making preparation for something that you cannot perceive. Faith is an attitude that believes it before it sees it. He's a good God. In the desert, on the mountain, in the valley, in the high place, in the low place, He's a good God. Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches you've got to believe it before you're ever going to see it what is your attitude towards God tonight it's easy to praise him on the mountain it's easy to praise him when the gas tank's full and the children are healthy and life is good. But I, I've come to find out that a real worshiper is always found down in the valley. In the low place. And it's in that low place that you see the attitude of faith. Faith is an attitude that believes God. It's like the man that had two sons and two twin boys, and they were, they were polar opposites. Didn't matter what it was, what the situation would be. They, one son always had the positive attitude. The first son was always a, the glass of water is half full and the other son always had a negative attitude about every situation he was more of the cup as half empty so to speak and so the daddy he thought you know what I, I, I'm going to do a little test on my kids and so 
The son that always had the negative attitude, he took him and he put him in the back room. And before he placed him there, he bought every toy, everything that his son, that he thought that his son would enjoy. He got out toys and board games. He got all this stuff. And he set up the room with everything that would be desirable. And he took the son with the negative attitude and he put him back in the room and he shut the door. Thought, I'm going to do a little test on my children. Took the second son that always had a positive attitude. Took him to the adjacent room and he actually took this room and he, he filled it up with horse manure. And he put his little boy in there and he shut the door. He said, let's see what happens. And he sat back for about, about an hour. And he went back to that first son. And he opened up the door. And that little boy, he was back in the corner with his arms crossed. He was upset and he was mad. He said, Daddy, he said, you didn't put the right toys in here. This one's not the right color. This is wrong. And, this is, and he began to complain about the situation. He had the wrong attitude. Then the daddy went over to the second son that had been put in this room that stinks to high heaven. And he walked in that room and as soon as he opened up the door, he seen his little boy in there with a shovel. That little boy was digging. And the daddy asked him, he said, boy, why in the world? What in the world are you doing? And he said, Daddy, I'm just digging through all this mess. He said, Son, I know you're digging through that mess. He said, But why in the world are you digging through all that horse manure? He said, Oh. And just as serious as he could, he looked right back at his father. He said, Well, Daddy, I, I just figured with all of that horse manure that surely there was a pony down in there somewhere. He had the right attitude. Friend, maybe you're here tonight and maybe you're in a place that stinks to high heaven. Maybe you're in a place where it feels like there could be no positive outcome. But I want you to know if you'll just believe that he's a good God. And in the middle of that place, if you'll just pick up your shovel and start digging through all that mess, even though I don't understand it, surely there's a purpose. Surely there's a blessing. Surely there's a miracle. Surely the will of God is down here somewhere. And I know that he's a good God. And I don't understand the situation. But I know if I'll just keep digging, then I'm going to see... He's a good God. In every situation, He's a God that wants to give good gifts to His children. What's your attitude tonight? Are you upset with God? Are you blaming God? Are you saying, God, why did you bring me here? 
Or are you saying, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to speak into my life in the middle of this dry land? Can you stand all over this field? Let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season we shall reap if we don't give up. And I know tonight you've been in church all week. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I know you've seen people get saved. You've seen people get filled. No doubt there's been healings in the service this week. I praise God for that. But at the same time, I recognize that there are some of you, you've yet to receive the baptism. You've yet to receive the miracle. And you've dug and you've prayed and you've pushed and you've wept and you've cried. And the devil said, it's not for you. And you've become discouraged. Are you Darby was three feet away from gold. Three feet away from a miracle. That would change his life. And I believe that somebody in the building tonight, that you are three feet away. And I don't know whatever it is that you're fighting. I don't know, I don't know the home situation. I know at church we can put on our mask and act like everything's okay. But I believe that you're three feet away. If you refuse to give up. If you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I, I love the Lord and I, I love Him and I'm blessed and I'm, but at the same time, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm thirsty. I'm discouraged. I want what God has for me. I want what God has for my family, for my life. And even though it would be easy just to sit back and cross my arms and blame God, in the middle of my dry place, tonight I'm going to keep digging. If you're here tonight and you've yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking, and other tongues. I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat, and I want you to come right now, and I want you to line up shoulder to shoulder. If you're here and you've yet to receive your healing, and you've become discouraged, this preacher wants to pray for you. This could be your night in Jesus' name. If you're tired, maybe you're just churched out. And you just need the Holy Spirit to refresh you. If that's you, if you fall in under any of those categories, I invite you to step out from your seat right now. Come on, friend. I need him. I'm tired. I'm in the desert. 
And I just need the Holy Spirit. I need my miracle. I need my breakthrough. I praise God for what He did for them. But I need my own water. Come on, friend. I'm hungry tonight. And I may be tired and I may be weary. But I've made up my mind that I'm going to keep digging. I don't understand how it's going to happen. I don't understand how God's going to do it. But I've made up my mind that I'm going to refuse. Come on. Come on, all over this building. Begin to lift your hands. Begin to open up your mouth. Begin to open up your mouth and tell God what you need. If you come for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I, I'm, gonna, I'm about to move around. I want you to open up your minds and, or open up your eyes. Wave me to you because I want to pray for you. If you want to be anointed with oil, get, get somebody to you. We're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray the prayer of faith because we believe that he's still a God that operates in the supernatural. We know that he's still a God that can pour out water even in the middle of a desert. We know that he's a God that Moses struck the rock and the water flowed out. I don't understand how God does it, but I know that he can. Come on, all over this building. Lord, I'm digging in tonight. I'm tired. I'm weary. But Father, I need my breakthrough. I need my miracle. I need you. And I made up my mind to pick up my shovel and dig. Come on.